Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, listener question edition, where there is a lesson in every story. Each week, the team at HR Stories Podcast shares questions from our podcast audience and provides tangible, practical advice that everyone can use to get HR right. Our hosts today are management and HR consultants, Chuck Simikian and John Tallheimer. What is on your mind today? Hello, everybody. My name is John Tallheimer, and I am here with the team at HR Stories Chief Human Resources Office. And we have questions that you guys have brought in to us. Uh, and so I'm going to try to see if we can catch Chuck, maybe give him some, get some real, have him bring in the good information. He is always, always looking, always reading, trying to understand what's going on. So, Chuck, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, John. John, I'm uh, I'm working remotely today. I'm in Pittsburgh, PA, and it is cold, but I feel the warmth with you this fine uh, day, this fine morning, and uh, embracing these HR questions that our listeners and readers have thrown out to us. Uh, yeah, we got some really good ones. Okay, are are you ready for the number first one? Question number one, go. Question. Go. Okay, here it is. Julie from Toledo, Ohio. A large public company acquired their small, private, 140-employee company. What do we need to do from an HR perspective? What should we keep in mind? I think it's a great question. Chuck, what do you think? I know you've been through a couple of these mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, absolutely. And so I've been on it uh, uh, several times on the front end where we go in and we take over a hotel or a business. And I've been on it on the back end when we get taken over. And the HR role in 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 that uh, in either situation, there's one HR role is the same, and that's communication. So staying in communication and communicating to your people what's going on. Now in this role where you are the being the uh, the taking over, you're getting taken over. Uh, your role is to um, facilitate, uh, work with their HR people, communicate with them, find out what they want, and um, and then uh, and maybe even create a checklist. I mean, we've got a great merger and acquisition checklist on the uh, the ultimate guide of uh, HR checklist book that we have written. But you want to be able to be in touch with their folks. They're going to drive it. So they're a large public company. They're going to drive it. They probably know exactly what they want. So your role is going to make your make is to be able to make yourself absolutely available to them, but also available to your people because your people are going to have a lot of questions. What's going to happen with my vacation? What's going to happen with my benefits? What's going to happen with my pay rate? What's going to happen with my job? So you want to be able to start answering those questions. And as you learn more info, as they take over, you want to be the conduit that is the communicator to the team. Because a lot of times, even your senior leadership may not be privy. So you want to establish a good confidential relationship with that company and then be the communicator to ease the um, uh, uh, discernation. What's the word? Uh, where the people are a little, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, consternation <laughs> of your folks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you and think? I do 
I, I, I agree with all that. I think that's fantastic. I do have a follow-up question for you, but I, I was thinking it's about trust, right? And your team is going to trust you more than these strangers, right? I mean, that's just Absolutely. normal thing. And so being that person, um, and the question becomes, right, are there going to be big changes? And obviously we don't know from this question because I've been in situations where companies have been acquired and it's more of a financial thing and nothing really changes for the employees. Everything stays the same. Yeah. Is there maybe benefits get better because it's a bigger company, that kind of stuff. Um, but if it's a company that's coming in and they're going to be driving how the organization does things and change things, that becomes a bigger deal. Um, and so really being one, being transparent as possible, that changes are coming. Um, and then you'll all let them as soon as you know, you'll let the team know. I think that becomes really important. Don't like kind of hold back, you know, let them know. So you want to build it up so they trust you and do that kind of stuff. Um, Absolutely. So here's, my, here's my follow-up question, Chuck. So this is a private, right? Individual owner, private company. And now they're going to public. They're being now publicly stock traded, that kind of stuff. Do you see anything from the HR perspective that will change for the employees and that kind of stuff? Yeah, there may be some... Uh, uh, from the accounting side, from the HR side, a little more accountability, a little more ethics type of thing. Uh, the, usually you won't see too much with the Sarbanes-Oxley from the uh, rules from the HR side, but there, uh, there definitely is going to be a greater focus on, on record keeping and um, maintaining records and doing everything you know, really well buttoned up because there will be auditors now that are going to come in on a yearly basis. They're going to want to see employee files. They're going to see samplings and uh, especially the 401k audits are just going to be amped up a little bit. Um, so that's what I see. But I just want to follow up with your thing of trust. You are absolutely right. The people are going to trust you as the HR person more than the other group. And so the more that you can get answers to their questions and appear to be the calm person in the situation, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I always say the other thing when it comes to the public company, the the compensation packages may be changed because there may be stock investments and stock bonuses and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So just kind of paying attention to that as well in terms of compensation and stuff. All right. Question number two. We're coming up on the holidays. This is a question from Danielle. Uh, for the holidays, we observe December 24th and 25th for Christmas and December 31st and January 1st for New Year's. With Christmas on a Monday this year, we must pick an observation day for Christmas Eve. Do you think Friday before Christmas the 22nd or Tuesday after Christmas the 26th would be better received by the staff? So what do you yeah. think? Well, I've run into this before. It always seems to be kind of like a, what should we do? What should we do? Uh, I will tell you, based on what you just told me, I would do the Friday. I would do the Friday before. I believe that um, uh, a lot of companies, employees uh, nationwide will be taking off on that Friday and business will slow down overall. A lot of people are back to work on the 26th. And I think if you shut down on the 26th, just as, and you're going to have to answer this uh, yourself as a company, as a business entity, but do you want to be open on the 26th or, or not? 
yeah. another option. So I would pick the Fridays on both of those. But another option, John, would be to say, hi, everyone. We have an unusual situation this year with um, with with the where Christmas falls. And so we wanted to give everyone the option to either a take Friday off or b use Friday as a floating holiday or something like that. Uh, that yeah, yeah. could be an option also. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it. I get the whole Friday thing, right, and preparation and that kind of thing. I personally would want the 26th off, right? Because uh -huh. I, I, I don't, because to me, right, you have this, again, you have this event, right, whatever the holiday is, you have this holiday, and then I don't, I want to ease back into the work week, right? I don't want to have to go, okay, I've had this holiday, and then Christmas night, I'm worried about, okay, what do I have to do tomorrow? You know, and then I do it, right? So I'd rather have the Tuesday. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but I get it, right? Because a lot of people are preparing things for the holiday and that kind of stuff. So here, the ideal is give them both of them off. <laughs> there you go. Let them leave early on Friday, which a lot yeah. of people do. Say, hey, at three o'clock, we're shutting down. And then you yeah. give them the 26 off. They're going to be like, man, this is like the best company to work for ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. So we, 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 we've given the employees off more time. <laughs> All right, question number three. If you have an employee requesting to move from 40 hours, which is considered full-time at the company, to 32 hours per week, do you adjust their PTO accrual to 20% less when it re-ups? Or do you let them get full accrual? So basically, I think what they're saying, Chuck, is that when you're working 40 hours, your accrual rate is set at this level. And mm -hmm. now that they're not working at that accrual rate, I mean, that number of hours anymore, should we go back, cut that back? Yeah. So I, I've dealt with this several times too. Um, and working in the hospitality industry, theme park industry, hotels, actually I've worked a lot of places which where they have variable schedules. So a full-time person could average 38 hours, could average 32 hours. And I've seen it approached a few ways. Number one, there are companies that say every year uh, you get two weeks vacation, three weeks vacation, or something like that. Um, what I have seen those companies do is they will take an average of how many hours you work. This is for hourly employees. So maybe it'd be a, you know, I don't know if there's a person's salary hourly, but 32 hours. So they would say, all right, um, the last 12 months, you averaged X number of hours, whether it's 33 or 32 or 35. And based on that, you are going to get, and this is where I've seen this, where people like, oh, you get two weeks, 40 hours times 80 hours of vacation. You averaged 35 hours this past year. You now get 35 hours of vacation, so 70 hours. So I've seen that. The other thing I've seen, John, and, and, and every HR system can do this, is with PTO, uh, they accrue it as they go through the year. So there is usually a a set accrual. So every week when you work, you know, they take that times 0.0018 or something and say, okay, this week you accrued X number of hours. And if you just have that simple formula in your HR payroll system, it doesn't matter whether someone works 30 hours, 20 hours, or 40 hours, it will automatically happen. So overall, the answer is yes, 
you do adjust it. It's that's the fair thing to do. Um, but there are different ways of approaching it. Yeah, I think I think creating that formula where, hey, you work this many hours, this is what it, you you accrue at this rate. And so depending on how many hours you get, you get it. So those people that are working, I think it gets into overtime and right. So now it balances that off and they're rewarded for all of that, right? So it kind of gets in there as well. But I do, and I, I'm trying to think of a circumstance where I would not take, reduce their PTO accrual. Um, and the only way I would see that, look, if I have a high performer doing a great job and they're, they, and they're moving and they're making that choice or they're moving down and they're making that choice and I want to keep them, I may bend that a little bit. I may say, no, we're not going to reduce it. But um, if I had that formula, I want to be fair for everyone. I would say, look, this, this is the way we do it. You're going to lose that and sorry. Right. And so kind of getting into that. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it just depends on how many, if this is like a one-off thing, it's one person, yeah, you know, but if it's a frequent thing, you're going to have to be consistent. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, right, you have to, you have to kind of balance that. I think that fairness and consistency, we preach consistency, but you also want to be fair and you also want to think about your company and your organization. All right. So I got a bonus question, Chuck, and this one Ooh, I've bonus. stole. I stole from one of my small businesses, business uh, Facebook groups that I'm on. Um, so I, I have to say, but I thought it was a good question for our HR, right? And so the question is this, how do you stay motivated and mm -hmm. overcome challenges? And so it was in your entrepreneurial journey, but in your as a human resources professional, how do we stay motivated? How do you overcome the challenges of every day? Um, and so both of us worked in this field. And I just want to kind of think about, I want you to flash back, Chuck, and think about how did you stay motivated when things were not going your way? You were tired, you were worn out. How did you stay motivated? Keep yeah. going. Yeah, well, um, you know, that's such a uh, giant word, motivation, right? And, and things like that. There's, well, um, I guess what I would do if, um, if I'm just a, a little worn out or, or so, I would go out and remember, I worked in a uh, locations where I was able to see the, um, they were usually large operations. And so I would leave my office and go out and see the effect of my um, my efforts, right? Go see the people. And, you know, just people coming up and saying, hello, Chuck, and, and thank you, and asking questions and saying they, you know, you, you, a lot of times you would go out amongst the people. I might go walk the, the properties and uh, seeing the effects of my efforts would always help refresh me. That's the first thing I think of when you pose that question. Yeah, and I, and I see that, right? Because again, I, we were talking about this. Yeah, I was working with a couple of groups of nonprofits yesterday and we were talking about um, the stories that we get to hear. And even if it's in your business, there's probably stories where HR helps somebody and just tapping into that and reminding yourself of that, I think is good. For me, I think sometimes we have to be honest Mm -hmm. and understand what our boundaries are 
and set those and hold those and make them dear and putting time aside for ourselves is critical. Um, and so as HR professionals, especially Chuck, I know you worked in 27, 24 seven operations. I worked in 24 seven operations and you just always feel like you're on because there's always an employee working. There could always be an employee concern. And so kind of going, hey, these are my boundaries. This is it. And this time is my time. I'm going to dedicate it for my family. I'm going to dedicate it for me and doing that. I think that's, I'm, I'm really more probably talking about burnout, but I think mm -hmm. one of the things that happens to HR professionals is we get burned out. We just get tired. We get yeah. worn out by all of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, such a, I mean, we could do a whole class on that talking back and forth, but I think this is a, a good start. So this is great. Yeah. Great questions. Great bonus question. Thank you for bringing these up. We love taking these questions from our listeners and also from our Team of One Facebook page, HR Team of One. If you're not part of that, folks, jump on that. Check out team at hrstories.com to see all of our class offerings. And of course, to catch the HR Stories podcast, well, where there's a lesson in every story. Yes, thank you, everyone. My name is John Tallheimer, and I have been speaking to our chief HR partner, uh, Chuck Simikian, and he has been sharing his wisdom with us, which is always fantastic. We will see you next week on the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. Of course. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using an employment lawyer or HR consultant to handle any legal concerns or HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change identifying information to protect the innocent. The HR Stories broadcast is brought to you by the team at HR Stories. The team at HR Stories is designed to help anyone with HR responsibilities be better at managing the employee experience. To engage with us, go to the hrstoriesteam.com and learn more about how the team at HR Stories can support your business or nonprofit. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.